From the heartland of America and the gateway to the West, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation, around the world. I'm George Norrie. This is Coast to Coast AM. Later tonight, living in a world of chaos. Here's what's happening. French regulators say Apple's iPhone 12 is emitting too much radiation and ordered the company to pull the product from French markets. France's National Frequency Agency has informed Apple that it will monitor updates to the iPhone 12 to determine whether they can reduce the radiation output. If the updates are not successful, the agency said it will require Apple to recall the product. Apple, however, argues its product is in full compliance with regulations. A Tennessee family recently had to make the difficult decision to, listen to this, amputate their 14-year-old son's hands and feet to save his life after what started as flu-like symptoms in mid-June. Matthias Urabe visited a doctor for treatment twice after he began experiencing symptoms on and off between June 30th and later on. He was transferred to an emergency room where his heart stopped. He then went into cardiac arrest. He needed life-saving support and was flown to two different hospitals. He was diagnosed with pneumonia and streptococcal toxic shock syndrome, which affected his hands and feet, and they had to remove them. My gosh. U.S. inflation-adjusted incomes fell for the third straight year in 2022, but overall income inequality decreased, according to new Census Bureau data. Mish Sedlock, investment advisor with us. Well, this is not good news, Mish, is it? No, and we've been talking about it, haven't we? Yes, we Uh, have. For the third straight year, incomes dropped in real terms, inflation adjusted 2.3%, the biggest decline since 2010. Now, what's kind of interesting about this is we've discussed many times recently the difference between gross domestic product and gross domestic income. Now, I'll just repeat the numbers for you. The last three quarters for gross domestic products were plus 2.6%, plus 2.0% and plus 2.1%. The gross domestic income numbers, and income is what people get, what businesses sell for selling their products and, and what they pay you know, their employees. The product side should match the income side. Gross domestic income the last three quarters was down 3.3%, down 1.8%, and up just a small one, uh, uh, 0.5%, a half a percent. Uh, I told you that I believe the income numbers. The Census Department is confirming what we're talking about. Unfortunate thing here is, George, it's September of 23. We're just now talking about these numbers and revisions for 2022. Today, the CPI, the BLS produced the CPI numbers up six-tenths of a percent, and it crunched the numbers for more recently. And let's discuss wages here since uh, 2021. And I crunched the same numbers with the same data and came up with the same numbers as the BLS did. That assumes you believe the CPI. But um, wages for all workers in January of 2021 were 29.92 an hour on average. They're now $33.82 an hour on average. That almost a an hour raise, it's about a 13% increase, but when you adjust that for inflation, and the BLS and I came with the same numbers, 
workers are making 35 cents an hour less than they did in 2021. And so, you know, someone asked me yesterday on Twitter, George, you know, you know, why is consumer sentiment so bad? Why does it feel so bad when the economists tell us the numbers are so good and that wages are high? And that's it. Adjusted for inflation, George, wages are not high. And let's discuss one more thing that came out of the um, CPI report today. The price of rent has gone up at least four-tenths of a percent every month for 25 straight months, George. So someone who has a house and lives in a house and, 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 and got a mortgage at a really good rate is doing okay. But someone who's renting and wants to buy a house now is looking at interest rates, mortgage rates of about seven and a quarter, Meanwhile, they can't afford that. They can't afford their rent because it's gone up 25 straight months, almost a half a percent each month. Crazy times, Mish. Thank you very much. And on the heels of that, baby boomers who transformed society in so many ways are now having a dramatic effect on homelessness. Higher numbers of elderly living on the street or in shelters add complications and expenses for hospitals and other crisis services. The humanitarian problem is becoming a public policy crisis paid for by you. Aged people across the U.S. are homeless in growing numbers in part because of the supersized baby boomer generation, which since the 1980s has contributed large numbers to the homeless population, which is now old. Howard Bloom, author of The Genius of the Beast, with us. Howard, this is a very sad, delicate situation. Yes, and it relates directly to what Mitch was, Mitch was talking about when he talked about rents. Um, so this, a story appeared at 10 a.m. this morning in the Wall Street Journal and exposed a hidden crisis called the Silver Tsunami. It's a tidal wave of homelessness among the elderly. That senior citizen homelessness today is five times what it was in 1990. So who are the homeless elderly? Baby boomers, just as you revealed a privileged generation of Americans, most of whom can expect to live 10 years longer than they would have in 1960. The flood of homeless boomers are sleeping in their cars, complete with their possessions and their cats and dogs, or sleeping on sidewalks at a time of life when they are often beset by health problems. If they try to get into a shelter, they're often rejected because they can't sleep in a top bunk. They simply can't climb into it. They need help bathing, and the shelter has no extra hands to help them. They need, um, and the sh- um, hang on, or they're in a wheelchair, and the wheelchair is not built for wheelchairs. One result is that the elderly homeless's bodies are physiologically 20 years older than the bodies of their peers. Now, what are the causes of this silver tsunami? It's back to Mish. America's increase in rents is the cause. Yep. A retired baby boomer Social Security check is a meager $1,800. But in Naples, Florida, for example, rent is $1,000 more. Rent is a whopping $2,800. That puts housing totally out of reach. The new senior citizen homelessness could easily happen to you or me. Imagine that you've worked all your life, but low wages and high rents have kept you from saving. So when a crisis hits, when your spouse dies, When your car breaks down and needs expensive repairs, or when your health breaks down and you need medical care, it wipes you out. 
You can no longer afford the rent. You are evicted, and you are forced to couch surf with friends, to live in your car, and finally to live on a sidewalk where valuables like your cell phone will be stolen over and over again. Again, skyrocketing rents are the cause. And that's a tip-off to another crisis, a housing crisis. We haven't built enough homes for our citizens, especially for our poorer citizens. Nationwide, we need to build 7 million more homes and apartments. Now, where is this housing going to come from? From an industry that provides a vital service, the for-profit real estate industry. And building real estate is expensive, which means that when new housing is constructed, the rent for an apartment will still be too high for many of the elderly. And government housing is not going to happen. The party that now controls the House of Representatives wants to decrease the social welfare programs that would provide the needed houses and apartments. On the other hand, the solution many on the left favor is rent control. But the real estate industry points out that if rents are controlled, the developers who should be building housing will stop dead in their tracks for a simple reason. They won't be paid a fair wage for their labor. They won't make a profit. Rent control is often permission to steal services from developers and landlords. It requires landlords to pay the taxes, supply the heat, and maintain the building. If those costs come to $2,000 a month and a rent-controlled tenant pays $1,500 a month, the landlord is now subsidizing the tenant at the rate of $500 a month. And that $500 a month is coming out of the landlord's pocket. Well said. Howard Bloom, his website, howardbloom.net. A story we have in our highlight reel at coasttocoastam.com. What were alleged to be 1,000-year-old non-human alien corpses presented in glass display cases before the Mexican Congress during its hearings on UFOs? They are non-human beings that are not part of our terrestrial evolution, said Coast guest and Mexican journalist and ufologist Jaime Masson. He testified under oath as two small mummified specimens seen with three fingers on each hand were unveiled Mousan said researchers at the Autonomous National University of Mexico have conducted carbon-14 analysis that determined the corpses are around 1,000 years old. It's an amazing story. We've got it up in the highlight reel at coasttocoastam.com. In a moment, Randall Fitzgerald back with us. His new work is called The Tao of Intuitive Luck, Winning at Games of Chance and the Game of Life. Let's check in with him next on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Randall Fitzgerald back with us. Began a journalism career back in 1974 in Washington, D.C. as an investigative reporter for syndicated columnist the late Jack Anderson. He has since written for the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, and for 20 years was an editor with Reader's Digest. Randall is the author of a number of books, including Lucky You, Proven Strategies You Can Use to Find Your Fortune, and his latest book, which we'll talk about tonight, is called The Tao. Of, invest, of intuitive luck, winning at games of chance and the game of life. Randall, welcome back. Hey, George. It's always a pleasure to be with you. What was it like working with Jack Anderson? Well, Jack Anderson reminded me of a Mormon district attorney. Uh, he came across uh, as a prosecutor in, in the way that he pursued his investigations, uh, and he had a lot of politicians in Washington, D.C., who were afraid of him, uh, and with good reason, because he 
was like a dog with a bone. When he got on a, a story and he was investigating, uh, he didn't let up until uh, he uh, came uh, to a resolution of whether a person was uh, guilty or innocent uh, of the corruption that they were being accused of. He uh, broke some major stories, didn't he? He did, indeed, um, um, quite a few. In fact, he was on Richard Nixon's enemies list as a result of all of the stories that he broke in D.C. And um, I was uh, very privileged to arrive on his staff uh, that week in August of 1974 that Nixon resigned as president. Uh, And I began work that week and was able to see uh, Jack Anderson and uh, some of his other investigative reporters like Les Whitten uh, in action. And I learned a lot from those people, I must confess. How did you make the switch from investigative work into writing about luck? Ah, well, it turned out that I had some experiences for better and worse uh, in the 1990s uh, that seemed to involve luck. So I had always been curious about what it was. Is it an energetic force that we can somehow uh, control or trigger, or or is it simply um, the law of averages? Is it probability theory, as the mathematicians might say? And so I began investigating it uh, in the early 2000s, and that's how that first book came about called Lucky You, which was an examination of um, many people, lucky people's stories about how they became lucky. So ever since then, George, and you had me on your show a couple of times, mm-hmm. and lucky you, over the last couple of decades, uh, I've deepened my examination of this subject, uh, both in terms of the interviewing people that are legitimately lucky, but also in interviewing the scientists uh, at the forefront of parapsychological research, uh, which is at the heart uh, of luck, Uh, And I found that there truly is an intersection between intuition and luck. And, in fact, a lot of billionaires like Elon Musk and Oprah Winfrey, they always talk in terms of their intuition and how far they got with their intuition, but also how far they got with luck. So the more I looked, the more I discovered that there was this intersection between uh, luck and intuition, and I began to call it intuitive luck, thus Uh, the current book, The Tao of Intuitive Luck. Is it accurate to say that we make our own luck as opposed to it being just simply luck? Well, there is happenstance. Obviously, uh, life throws us curveballs that are unexpected, uh, and we have to, depending on uh, our experience in life and our skill sets, we're going to navigate Uh, those situations for better or worse uh, and be in the aftermath considered either lucky or unlucky. But the deeper I looked at this subject, uh, and I investigated uh, the whole idea of probability theory and the law of averages from uh, the perspective of mathematicians, and and there was something missing. There was something missing in all of those uh, attempts to explain luck solely on mathematical principles, and that X factor was simply human consciousness. Human consciousness can trigger streaks of luck, uh, and it can 
short circuit streaks of bad luck. And so I wanted to know what what do we do? What can we do in order to uh, initiate these sorts of triggerings? Uh, and in fact, there's a lot of research, and it's that research in the realm of parapsychology uh, that's immersed me for the last couple of decades. Randall, do you know Professor Joseph Gallenberger by any chance? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, he is, <laughs> he's in my book. He's featured, uh, in fact, because he was someone that had some extraordinary uh, bouts of good luck. And the more I looked into what happened with him, the more I discovered that, in fact, uh, he was using intuition, a heightened mm-hmm. intuition, in order to be very lucky in games of chance. And attitude. And he has taken groups to Las Vegas that are upbeat and happy. Then he's taken other groups that are not on purpose. And he said time and time again, George, the unhappy people come back losers. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah, this, this is interesting aspect of it. And I, again, I tried to dive into every angle on the subject. One angle is about our attitudes, our beliefs, uh, our habits of mind, how all of that together is like a, a container. And it contains and it holds that energetic force uh, of luck and intuition. And the more we're able to control our minds, our habits of minds, uh, and shape our beliefs and attitudes in a way that facilitates intuitive luck, uh, the luckier we become uh, as human beings. And uh, Joseph Gallinger is a case in point. Uh, Much as he's done with his seminars and bringing people uh, to Las Vegas, uh, he has written a lot on this subject. And he was one of the the guiding inspirations that I use in my own book uh, to show that it's a synergy that's created from a variety of factors. I call it the five intuitive luck factors. Uh, And one of them uh, is about cultivating intuition and uh, how to go about that. I was very interested in in the how-to aspect of this. And there's a lot of research uh, by Gallinger and others about the specifics of how we can step-by-step go about making ourselves luckier. The title of your book, The Tao of Intuitive Luck, Tao, of course, means the natural origin of the universe. Well, after the break, we'll have you explain, Randall, how that ties into what we're talking about, because you deal with two important aspects of luck. That's luck and intuition, and they fit together, don't they? They do indeed, George. Without that combination, what do we have? What's left? Well, what's left is that we're at the mercy of happenstance. We're at the mercy uh, of uh, serendipity. Uh, I mean, when we lose our awe, A-W-E, important word, about the universe and about life, then we become not only jaded and cynical people, but we become people that are at the mercy of whatever life throws our way. Um, I'm interested in how we can gain more control over what life throws our way, and that's 
one of the reasons why intuitive luck plays such an important role. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a moment with Randall Fitzgerald, his website, the Dow of Intuitive Luck.com, and Dow is spelled T A O. And uh, we've got that linked up for you at coasttocoastam.com. More to come when we come back. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie along with Randall Fitzgerald. We're talking about his book, The Dow of Intuitive Luck. Randall, is there any science behind this that backs up the evidence that we're looking for about intuition and luck? Indeed. If we look back at the entire history of parapsychological research, starting in the early 1930s. It was all initially about studying uh, games of chance and gambling. Uh, At the Duke University lab of uh, J.B. Ryan and his um, wife, Louisa Ryan, they were studying uh, dice throwing and um, card playing. Uh, Those were the initial experiments that they uh, did in order to determine why some people were lucky at dice, and some people were lucky at playing cards, and those experiments in the 1930s uh, attracted a lot of attention uh, at the time. Uh, In fact, even uh, Albert Einstein, uh, this is not well known, but uh, starting in 1930, he took an interest uh, from Germany in this whole uh, realm of parapsychology and the research being done, and he even wrote uh, a a foreword to a well-known book at that time called Mental Radio by uh, a man named Upton Sinclair who was writing about his wife who had uh, obvious uh, intuitive luck uh, abilities. Uh, So the entire field of parapsychology got its start uh, in the realm of games of chance uh, and gambling, and that accelerated in the 1980s and then the 90s uh, when people like... uh, Dr. Daryl Bim of uh, Cornell University, um, a psychology professor, got involved and started doing peer-reviewed experiments that appeared in science journals. Uh, and then you've got, uh, of course, uh, Dean Radin of the Institute of Sciences mm-hmm. uh, and Marilyn Schlitz and some of the other scientists there who have done a, a lot of studies uh, in connection with uh, heightened states of intuition, uh, what we call parapsychology in the form of precognition and psychokinesis, mind over matter, and so forth. So this entire field has developed over time to where now it's pretty widely accepted in those areas where this research is being done that intuitive luck exists. It's just that we haven't put in the popular literature uh, this terminology uh, in a way that people uh, can understand it. And that was one of the reasons that I wrote this book. And gambling in casinos is not the only barometer for testing the luck and intuition, is it? Oh, no, not at all. Uh, I mean, casinos are luck laboratories. There, there's no doubt about that. But right. so is the stock market. Uh, when people use their intuition uh, above and beyond um, the data crunching they may do and you know, mathematical formulas they may adopt and their experience in investing. Uh, intuition plays a big role in stock investing. So the entire stock market uh, over time, as many of the successful investors will attest, has a lot to do 
uh, with not just being lucky in terms of uh, events, uh, but also being intuitive uh, in being able to uh, forecast and then, like a surfer, uh, ride a, a streak of investing luck. Randall, I've got an old saying that timing is everything. What do you think of that? Well, certainly uh, the ability to sense timing uh, based on your own level of intuitive guidance uh, is important. Uh, you know, timing is not totally about the law of averages or about probability theory. As I pointed out earlier, there is this X factor of human consciousness and the ability to sense the rhythms of time and timing and to uh, get glimpses of the future uh, through lucid dreaming uh, and dream incubation, for instance, those techniques which I try to describe in the book in great depth. Um, so, you know, timeline, it's, as you know, George, uh, there are a lot of factors involved, uh, and, and I think yeah. it's apt for you to say that timing is everything, but uh, the control that we can exert also exists in order to make timing advantageous to us. How much of luck is influenced by the genius behind the person? Uh, you mentioned Elon Musk. Let's talk about Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Came up with a great idea to sell books online, and then somebody suggested to him, why don't you just go more e-commerce? And it just exploded. So is there a common trait behind this as well that most of these successful people have shared? In many respects, George, uh Remember the old uh, Napoleon Hill book, Think and Grow Rich? Right. Where he interviewed um, dozens of business executives uh, and you know, the Carnegies of the world to try to find out what uh, secrets they had in common. And he identified intuition uh, as one of them, one of the keys that all of these people possessed an abundance in which – they had brilliance, yes. They had genius, yes. But they had intuition that helped guide and channel that inherent intelligence level that they had uh, in order to take advantage of luck opportunities. And that's true for the CEOs of today, uh, in the Elon Musk and uh, Zuckerbergs, and go down the list, and all of them... Uh, in one way or another, talk in terms of intuitive power, not just of mental power or intelligence level. And you mentioned uh, some of the intuitive factors that are out there. You mentioned in the book five. Want to run through them pretty quickly for us? Sure. The first one is uh, luck factor number one, feel your intuition. Learn how to feel in your body. Where in your body do you feel intuition and the first part of the book is all about that sort of a how-to <laughs> you know everyone feels a little differently some of us feel it in our gut some of us feel it in our heart and there's a lot of research supporting that indeed gut hunches are real uh, the second intuitive luck factor is setting your intention it's important to set an intention to be lucky set an intention to feel your intuition and go through the steps that are necessary in order to facilitate that. And then the third luck factor is 
quiet your mind. Learn how through meditation techniques or whatever mindfulness, whatever approach you take in order to quiet your mind to allow the intuitive voice, sometimes it's just a whisper, but to allow it to emerge in order to benefit you. And then the fourth is channel your excitement. You know, the old idea of beginner's luck. Well, what is beginner's luck? Well, it's an openness. It's an excitement. It's not having preconceived ideas. It's not having blinders on. And that's important to this entire synergistic process to be able to continue to channel your excitement like you were a beginner. And then the fifth and final luck factor is programming your dreams. There are lots of ways through lucid dreaming to incubate dreams in order to allow intuition to percolate to the surface from the unconscious mind, to get glimpses of the future, and to utilize the information that percolates in such a way that you seize luck opportunities. You mentioned our show uh, several times in your book. Uh, you had an incredible response uh, when you were on with us. Yes, uh, the, the last section of the book is about uh, emails and letters that I uh, received from your listeners. Uh, talking about their own luck <laughs> experiences, and they were varied, very varied. Uh, I mean, there were people from actually all over the world that had heard your show that tuned in uh, online, and they were uh, passing on experiences about winning in casinos and about uh, synchronicities that had occurred that intuitively they were able to sense uh, were going to be advantageous to them in some way by getting a new job or whatever it might be. Uh, there were examples that people gave uh, of avoiding bad luck streaks as a result of being able to listen sometimes for the first time in their life, listening to their intuitive voice. Randall, if you diligently practice these five steps you just pointed out, what should happen? Well, the first thing that should happen is that there's a synergy that I have noticed for myself and also for others that I have interviewed in the course of researching and writing this book, a synergy that happens in which all of these factors together sort of influence and reinforce uh, the other factors. And what I've noticed happens most of all is that it's easier to trigger luck streaks and it's easier to be able to facilitate the short-circuiting of bad luck streaks. Because in our unconscious minds, by following these five intuitive luck factors, the unconscious begins to respond. And it responds in ways to which consciously we aren't necessarily directing. But by setting an intention to make these five factors an integrated natural part of our daily life, then we truly do become more intuitive and more lucky. Randall, what is the cosmic trickster? Ah, the cosmic trickster. <laughs> the last Love section that. of the book deals with the cosmic trickster. It's, it's an ancient idea. Uh, it's an energetic force that was recognized in uh, ancient times uh, among a lot of different cultures and, and traditions. To give you one example, in ancient Greece, there was the god Hermes. And Hermes was seen as a trickster. 
uh, Hermes was uh, also the bringer of good luck, but could trick people. And again, this was a perspective in ancient Greece. Uh, Hermes could trick people into thinking that they were going to be lucky, and then it would turn out to be bad luck. And this was one of the reasons why at the Oracle of Delphi and all the other dream interpretation um, centers that existed in ancient Greece, inscribed in stone before you entered uh, to have your dreams read, uh, there was the saying, know thyself. And know thyself is just as important today. Um, the more we know uh, who we are and what our habits of mind are, what our beliefs are that hold us back, the more we know our minds, the better able we are to become an unfiltered channel for the intuitive voice. Uh, in ancient uh, uh, times, we had Hermes, but then there were the Native American traditions of the coyote, coyote as being a trickster uh, energetic. So all of that taken together had me put the label cosmic trickster to sort of um, benefit our current uh, understanding of the universe. Uh, the cosmic trickster is what can deceive us. And sometimes the cosmic trickster, George, is within our own minds. That's true. How about Lady Luck? Uh, Lady Luck? If you dance with Lady Luck, sometimes you're dancing with a cosmic trickster. Oh, boy. Again, if you don't know yourself and if you don't know your, your tendency for obsessive compulsive behaviors, uh, are you a problem gambler, for instance, and, and you're in denial about it? Uh, how do we delude ourselves uh, into thinking we're listening to an intuitive voice when we're really listening to the cosmic trickster? I go into all of this based on interviews with psychologists about uh, the habits of mind and how do we identify when it truly is intuition that's talking to us. How do we separate intuition from delusion? And there are a lot of uh, steps. There's a lot of advice, uh, which I was able to accumulate from my investigation. Randall, if somebody doesn't have luck, let's just say rotten things happen to them most of the time, what are they doing wrong? Well, a lot of psychologists, including um, Joseph uh, Gallenberger, you know, who's a clinical psychologist himself, a lot of them point out that we self-sabotage our way uh, through life in a variety of ways. Some people do it consistently. They're very good at it. Uh, some people realize uh, exactly how we self-sabotage and we're able to uh, adopt another way of being, another state of mind in order to short-circuit that uh, process. Um, again, it's, it, we're all guinea pigs in our own experiments in life. The extent to which we are able to get outside of our self-reinforced uh, boxes about how we view what is possible in life uh, helps determine quite often whether or not we are going to be lucky or not in the long term. Interesting take. Randall, where do people get your book, The Tao of Intuitive Luck? Amazon uh, carries it, and if you go to the Coast to Coast website, uh, you will find um, my website, the Tao of Intuitive Life Quote. I offer two free audios. You know, I, 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 
I was influenced by some people to sell these audios, but I decided just to offer them for free. And these are sort of how-to audios that supplement the material in the book. So you can go on to my website and, and download either of these audios. Each is about an hour long, and you'll learn a lot. All right. We're going to come back in just a moment with Randall Fitzgerald and take calls next hour. Couple things, questions or stories, how you have used luck to apply to your own life. Share that with us. 